Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On January 16th, 10 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Fully Hound Tap Room in downtown York. Our theme for the evening was celebration. We heard stories of questionable holiday traditions, unusual guests at a family wedding, and many, many memorable birthdays. Phil Broder won with his stories about the dangers of participating in holiday celebrations when visiting foreign countries. So I can see that some of you out there are still looking a little bit hungover from the big celebration on, the, on Sunday. No, none of you celebrated Makar Sankranti. No, the 2,000-year-old Indian holiday denoting the sun's passage back into Capricorn and therefore the end of winter. I understand it was you know, below freezing and snowing, but this would be a good time to celebrate. January 14th every year, Makar Sankranti. I'm telling you, it's a great holiday. Okay, you missed it. I celebrate it every year because Makar Sankranti involves kite flying, which a lot of you know is my thing. And in the state of Gujarat in India, it's, it's a huge celebration. Everyone's up on their rooftops and big parties, lots of food. You drag these massive speakers up there and everyone's blaring different music all over the neighborhood and you're flying kites all over the place. It's massive. So I've been over there several times for their big kite festival every January. Celebrating holidays in other countries creates some issues, a couple of problems. And the first one is cash exchange. That you arrive in another country on a holiday and the banks are closed. The Indians have solved this though, usually on the first breakfast of the kite festival. Um, my good friend and travel agent, Mr. Rao, will show up at breakfast with a briefcase full of cash. And everyone does currency exchange and you trade your native currency for a fistful of rupees. In this case, I had so many rupees that my wallet almost wouldn't close and fit into my back pocket. You go off to the kite field down by the riverfront, you fly kites all day. The second problem with international holiday celebrations is food. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like, I ate too many Christmas cookies or, oh, loosening my belt after Thanksgiving. Like 4th of July, when you've had way too much bratwurst and funnel cake, and you've got sort of a gastrointestinal carnival going on, that's the kind of feeling. And in this part of India, the food is entirely vegetarian. 100% roughage. And they cook it in a lot of sunflower oil, so everything is really nicely lubed up inside which isn't an issue until sometime mid-afternoon when a mild abdominal cramp caused me to double over like a book slamming shut. I headed off to the toilets. And that's a generous term. It's a concrete trough covered by sheets of plywood with, to use a popular phrase, shitholes um, <laughs> cut into it. Now, I've used squat toilets before. I've gone camping before, so it's not an issue. And I climbed up on top of the trough and dropped my shorts and heard a plop. It was not from me. Yeah, when I dropped my shorts, my wallet had popped out of my back pocket, gone down the hole, and sank. Now, leaving this 
in there was not really an option. I mean, this wallet had 50,000 rupees in it. My ID, my credit cards, both my rudders and sheets reward cards. <laughs> so I couldn't just leave it in there. I, I was gonna have to go fishing. And I rolled up my sleeve, climbed up on that board. Now you may have noticed I'm not a small guy. And, and compared to most Indians, I'm, looks like I ate Gandhi. So I got up on the board and heard a crack as the board split in half and dropped me into the fecal stew below. Arm first, which was good because that allowed me to grab the wallet. I'm trying to find a bright side here. And I climbed out, went to the sinks, cleaned up as best I could, was heading back over to the kite field. That's when I felt something moving in my ear. Oh no, you're all thinking the worst, don't worry. It was just a niblet of corn. But as I got back over to the field, there's a, a policeman who guards the field to keep the locals out and let the kite flyers in. And he's going, ID, ID. And I reached into my back pocket and pulled out, not my wallet. Never seen that wallet before. Turned around, went back to the toilets for a second fishing expedition. and the spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is Kelly Gibson. Kelly told the story of the time, despite all advice to the contrary, she braved a snowstorm to attend a 40th birthday celebration. Long time listener, first time caller. Hi. So anyone who knows me knows that I was raised by a very large Irish Catholic family in New Jersey. Jersey? Nobody? Really? The other great thing about my family is that my two parents grew up on Avenue T in Brooklyn. Really? Avenue T in Brooklyn. So we were also pseudo-Italian, even though we were not Italian at all. They grew up Italian. So those two combinations mean that we took celebrations very seriously. Everything was a production. And all of these productions included four essential elements. Drinking, food, dancing, drama. Um, and so growing up, celebrations were amazing. My dad would do splits and pull himself up by the collar. And that was at his 70th birthday party. And he did that three times. My dad was the John Travolta character from Saturday Night Fever, but he got older and he still could dance like that. So at my own wedding, people would bow to him. It was just amazing. So our entire, my four brothers, my sister and I were always raised. You dance hard, you party harder, and you talk about it all the next year. So when people had celebrations in their lives, we tried really hard to be there. It was really important. And so some of you may have remembered there was a Snowmageddon incident that happened in 2016. We got about, I don't know, 30 inches here in, our, in New York. During that time, a friend of ours was having a 40th uh, birthday party at the same time, and it was happening in Cleveland, Ohio. And she really wanted me to be there. But that would mean driving right before the storm hit and driving back while the storm was happening. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's your 40th birthday. Got to do it, sure. Hey, you know what I'll do? I'll bring a friend with me. So I brought Brian Tate. Anybody know Brian Tate? Yeah. So Brian Tate and I looked at each other like, we can do this, right? It won't be that bad, will it? No, 
let's do it, let's do it. And our loved ones are like, what are you doing? That's a really bad idea, don't go. It'll be fine, we said, it'll be great. If it's really bad, we'll stay over. No, we won't, we're still driving home. So he got the disco mix that we were going to listen to on the ride there. Um, we partied on the, in the car, we got ready for the party. The party happened on a Friday night. The storm was gonna hit overnight that night. So we partied really hard, it was a wonderful party, it was a really great cake. We lived it up as if we knew probably we weren't gonna make it back. You know, one of those parties where you're like, I don't know if we're gonna make it, so let's really do this right. So we had a lot to drink, had a good time. And then we wake up the next morning and Pittsburgh is like completely snowed in. There's like a blockage in a bridge, a, an overpass where a bus of kids are trapped that went on, a, went on a trip and now everyone's calling, you're not really coming home, right? You're, you're gonna stay over, right? You're not gonna try to drive home today. Right, no, we're not gonna try to drive home today. We're totally driving home today, right? We can do it. So we get ourselves ready. We're, we're camped out at like a table at a restaurant. We're mapping it out. And the waitress says, who we've never met, Will you call me when you get there? I just want to make sure you're going to get there. Can you, here's my phone number. Please call me. We had that happen to us three times during our trip. So my husband, who loves me, um, called and said, this is the route I've planned it out for you. You're going to go up over State College. You're going to stay there for an hour, and then you're going to follow the snow plows down. Don't question it. I want you alive. I'll see you later. So we did his, as he instructed, and it worked out great. So we got up to State College. We went to a house of someone that Brian knew that was out of town, crashed there for a minute, and we thought, we could do this. So we watched the snow plows. We followed them down, and it really didn't get too dicey until we hit the sign on 83 that's, uh, on 30 that said York, pointing this way. So we got off, we're white knuckling it through the city. At one point, I see the director of the York Symphony, Lawrence Golan, he has a miner's helmet on, and he's walking through the cityscape, because there's no cars allowed, by the way. We totally are driving through the city in a time where it's banned. You can't be driving a car through the city streets, and here we go. And there's Lawrence Golan walking like, who are these knuckleheads, and why are they driving through the city right now? Because their concert got canceled. So I get Brian to his house, he steps out of the car, and it's, Brian Tate's a tall guy, it's up here on him. At this point, we get his luggage out, and now it's just me. All I have to do is make it to East York by myself in this car. So I'm driving, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. The Blade Runner soundtrack is on, if you know that. It's just like white falling from the sky. And then I see a guy in the middle of the road, right by the Lincoln Highway garage, and he's waving at me, and it looks like he's dragging a sled, and I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night. Why is he dragging a sled? He wasn't dragging a sled, he was dragging another man by his boot. I'm not really sure why he was dragging this man by his boot, and I was not going to stop to find out, even though he really wanted me to. So I just kept driving, I'm not stopping, I'm not stopping. Saw a whole bunch of cars pulled over, and everybody's wrecked, and I'm keep going. And then I get to my driveway, which is completely clean and plowed because my husband loves me. And I pull into the driveway and I say, this is why I love celebrations. Thank you. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Randy Parker, who recalled a big win for the Philadelphia Eagles and a big mishap in gathering souvenirs for Mom Mom. All right, let's get this thing started, shall we? E G Right? Because if anybody has been paying attention, the Eagles are going to be playing a football game next week, right? That game would be the NFC Championship. The winner of that game goes to the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, right? When was the last time that the Eagles went to the Super Bowl? Who did they beat to go to the Super Bowl? Who'd they beat, Jimbo? They beat the Atlanta Falcons to go to the Super Bowl, and I was at that game. And I was at that game because my wife's mother, otherwise known as Mom-Mom, thought that it was gonna be ass-biting cold out there, and she did not want to use her season tickets. Her season tickets, which are in the fourth row in the end zone. And I got the chance to go to that game because <clears throat> it was gonna be too damn cold for Mom-Mom. But I had little kids, so Mom-Mom agreed to rent a room at the Holiday Inn in the parking lot at the vet, right? <clears throat> she would watch our kids while we go to the game, and it was gonna be awesome. So long as we wore snow pants and parkas and gloves up to your elbows and everything, because it was so damn cold. So we go to the game, and we've been waiting forever for the Eagles to win this game. They have been winning different levels of the championship, but always losing at key times. This was going to be the year. This was going to be the year. We're there, and I'm telling you, at about six minutes left in the game, it started to dawn on the whole stadium we can't lose. I mean, it wasn't like one of these games that we saw this last weekend where it came down to the last second. It was like, you know, six minutes, five minutes, four minutes. It's like, oh my God. And, and this weird feeling came over the stadium like I've never experienced anywhere. And everybody started to cry and we're like, tears are freezing to our faces. We're like, oh my God, we're going to the Super Bowl. After all of this waiting, years and years and years of waiting, we're gonna go to the Super Bowl. And I'll be damned, the Eagles won the game and confetti was all over the place and we were hugging strangers everywhere and it was amazing. And I go out in the parking lot <clears throat> and my wife and other people who were with me, they wanted to go back to the hotel because it was ass biting cold. I mean, it was really, really cold out there by this point. And I decided to hang out with a guy that some of you may know by the name of Brad Jennings. Anybody ever hear of Brad Jennings? Brad Jennings is a hardcore Eagles fan. He had been rooting and rooting and waiting and waiting. His college buddies years ago had bought a case of champagne that they were only gonna pop when the Eagles were on their way to the Super Bowl. It was some really old champagne. It had been sitting around for a long time. It had also been sitting in their car throughout the entire game. <laughs> and here's what happens. Here's what happens when you pop champagne in those conditions. It's not, it's silent. And then out of the bottle oozes a big frozen icicle of champagne. So we're standing out in the parking lot with big giant gloves and snowmobile suits and stuff, and we're chewing champagne out of the bottle. But we're so damn happy because the Eagles won. And it was around this time that Brad reminded me that there was one condition that my mom had given me for her to watch the kids at the hotel and let me go and use her seats. It was that I had to buy 10 t-shirts from somebody in the parking lot for her and all of her girls back at the office. She wanted to bring t-shirts, you know, those cheap t-shirts you get in the parking lot. She said, just get 10 t-shirts and the tickets are yours. And I'd almost forgotten, it was kind of late and Brad reminded me and I saw some hippie over there hawking t-shirts in the parking lot. I'm like, hippie, hippie, come on over here. And the, and the kids got 10 t-shirts. Well, he doesn't exactly have 10 t-shirts. He has a t-shirt and I asked him, do you have 10? He goes, yeah, man, sure, sure, I got them, I got them. And so I pay him the money and he goes, and he pulls out a t-shirt from here, and he pulls out a t-shirt from there, 
and he pulls out a t-shirt from this sock, and he pulls out a t-shirt from that, he pulls out a t-shirt from the back of his pants. He's pulling out t-shirts everywhere, and he gives me 10 t-shirts. I'm like, great. I pay him the money, and I go back, and I tell Brad, I'm all drunk, and he's all drunk. I'm like, I got the t-shirts for my mom. And Brad goes, dude, you're such an idiot. What do you mean? He goes, you're such an idiot. Look at those t-shirts. And I'm like, I know, look at it. NFC champs, uh, Eagles. He goes, no, dumbass, flip it over. And I turn it around, and on the back of this t-shirt is a cartoon of the Philadelphia Eagle and the Atlanta Falcon <clears throat> engaged in what Leonard from the Big Bang Theory would describe as coitus. <laughs> the Eagle's got the Falcon bent over, and it's emblazoned on the back, fuck the Falcons. <laughs> and these are the t-shirts that I got from my mother-in-law to bring back to her office for all the girls in the office. And I go looking for the guy and the hippie's gone and there's nobody left in the parking lot. There's no other person to get t-shirts from. I'm fucked more than the Falcons are at this point. Shit, man, one deal. So anyway, the parking lot party breaks up and I walk over to the hotel and I'm drunk as shit and I'm happy as hell. So is everybody else pouring into this hotel. 500 of us cram into the elevator. You can't hear anything more because your ears are ringing from the stadium and the partying and everything. And I'm laughing and I'm holding up the t-shirts and I'm like, guys, I gotta tell you. And I tell them the story about the t-shirts and everybody in the elevator starts busting up laughing. The door opens, I get off the elevator and as I'm walking away, I hear some guy laughing till he's got tears rolling down his face. He goes, dude, I can't believe it. Motherfucker bought fuck the Falcon t-shirts for my mom. That's the funniest fucking thing I ever heard in my whole life. The elevator door's shut and I have to go explain to my mother-in-law why she, these are the t-shirts that she had to give to those, those women at work. Anyway, Eagles won the NFC Championship just like they're going to do this weekend. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter, at York Story Slam, as well as on Facebook, and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.